The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Imagine the surprise and stress of having an NDE, a near-death experience. Now, imagine the additional stress for a soldier wounded in battle who has an NDE. Someone coming back from Vietnam, Iraq, or Afghanistan. How would this add to or diminish their PTSD? Our guest today is Diane Corcoran. Uh, Diane is president of IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies, and she is um, uh, uh, with us today because uh, I wanted to talk to her, first of all, about um, IANS and a little of the history of that, and um, and then go on to look at some of her work with veterans because she's been involved in teaching healthcare professionals about NDEs for over 40 years and also has worked with... Um, uh, veterans. Uh, she's a Dr. Corcoran is a retired colonel in the Army Nurse Corps. Uh, good morning, Diane. Good morning, Lee. How are you? I'm great. Nice to be with good. you this morning. Well, uh, it's it's been um, too long because uh, as president of IAN, since this is IAN's show, we really should have had you on earlier than this, but that's the way. The cookie crumbles, as they say. Uh, we, we won't uh, mention it. <laughs> <laughs> Diane, uh, tell the audience a little about the history of IANS and how you got involved in it. Well, IANS started out in the mid-70s with uh, um, some physicians and John Audette, uh, Raymond Moody, Bruce Grayson, um, Michael Saban, and Ken Ring. Um, basically, it started as a group of uh, physicians who wanted to look at the research. Ken Ring was doing research at the University of Connecticut, and, um, of course, Raymond was writing his book, and all of those things came together about the same time. And um, then uh, an office, Ken Ring uh, opened an office, uh, at the University of Connecticut, Nancy Bush, who is also a past president and recent author, um, worked in that office, and they started getting a lot of calls. So the support piece of IAN started coming in, people calling, needing information and support. So as IANS developed, it, it developed into an organization that was really threefold. One, to educate the community and the healthcare professionals. Two, to do research and certainly to support near-death experiencers. I got involved because in 1969, way back before there was any mention of near-death experiences, I was in Vietnam and a young soldier in the middle of the night wanted to tell me about this experience he had. And I had no idea what he was talking about. It was a pretty classic near-death experience. But he was so emotional and so afraid that I wouldn't believe him. And, and of course, I could do nothing and tell him uh, except tell him that I believed him um, 
And I sort of tucked it away as I knew it was important, um, but didn't have any information at that time. So that was my first encounter, and then over the years, I got more involved, and uh, in 1981, IANS became uh, a formal organization, and I've been on and off the board. Um, I was a past president as well, and still here today trying to help teach healthcare uh, professionals and um, uh, grow IANS and reach out to people. We know there are millions of people out there that need support, and we're trying to do that. And I'm particularly interested in the veterans because these folks um, are really isolated in many ways because they're not likely to get a great deal of support. Um, It'll be tossed off as PTSD, and, of course, that's not what they need. They certainly don't need drugs, and they need somebody just to listen to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, PTSD is an interesting disease, and they've come up with some mechanical ways of treating it. But um, the insights that you gain from a near-death experience, I would think, if it were properly understood by the person that had it, would be very reassuring and comforting to them. I I think it would be wonderful. Um, I actually went to a veterans hospital some years ago and and asked the chief of psychiatry how they would differentiate uh, between a person who came in and was having a near-death experience and a person and a young person who had a psychotic break because somebody might come in and say, I died, I went to heaven, and I saw God. Um, I did have a soldier tell me that one time. And Mm -hmm. um, the answer I got was, what's a near-death experience? So that (laughs) moves you in on where the military was. I'd like to think it's better today, but I'm not sure it is with all the things that they have going on. And, of course, the after effects of the near-death experience would make it really difficult for the experiencer to continue in the military and um, just in general mixed with all the other issues they have. Mm. Well, so many lives are now being saved on the battlefield. I mean, there's so many walking wounded coming home now where previous in previous wars they probably would have died. So there probably is a much higher incidence of near-death experiences as well. That, that's certainly my feeling. I was recently did a talk down in San Antonio at um, at the um, Brook Army Medical Center, and the number of amputees that were just rolling around the hospital was unbelievable. And um, I'm sure that, Many, many. I think that if if our percent of a normal population is between 20 and 40 percent, then I would think the military is much higher because Mm. you also have um, those soldiers who had a lot of TBIs. And these traumatic brain injuries are sort of the invisible injuries because many of them don't remember... um, the incident, and I have a specific soldier 
he was uh, he and his best friend, his best friend lost both legs. Um, he had a TBI. He does not remember anything about the incident and accident. They had hit an IUD. Um, mm. And but he has classic after effects of a near death experience. Tell uh, t- tell the audience some of those classic uh, after effects. Well, they become more altruistic, they less materialistic, have a problem with violence, um, really become want to move to different uh, careers. Many of them, and uh, very connected with nature. Maybe have more allergies. Um, there's a whole set of. Uh, characteristics, but a lot of them are around certainly nonviolence, uh, attention to nature, alt- all, uh, being um, much more altruistic in, in their professions. Um, and so a lot of those things don't hook up with combat. No. Uh, would they be more likely to be disqualified for, uh, uh, for their p- post a- after they healed? Well, in other, it, in other words, would the army take these new characteristics into account and say, oh, no. "Well, you don't seem to fit here anymore"? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think that this is part of the problem: is most of them are not going to tell their uh, healthcare providers that they have these after effects, and many times they won't recognize them themselves. Um, mm. And one of the soldiers I know. I mean, he breaks down and uh, very teary-eyed, um, at times very emotional, has outbursts, wants, is so focused on doing good for others. And, I mean, these come on kind of slowly sometimes, and so they don't, they don't know that they're, they didn't remember having an experience that was special, and so they might not recognize these experiences after effects and let you know most people aren't well read on this although it is on television most of the times now yes it's become a lot more uh, um, a lot more popular uh, topic for discussion on tv and and in fiction and uh, so forth i was just thinking they don't uh, talk go- about the after effects very often even the tv pro talk about the other stuff but they don't talk about the after effects that's that's true. Um, I had a I had a question, <laughs> and it just went right out of my head. Um, w- oh, I know what it was. I'm, I'm thinking, being a chaplain myself, do you think any of the military chaplains have been trained uh, to any extent in uh, NDEs and the effects they can have on on the military? Well, I know it. One point, when I was on active duty, I actually used to train all the Army chaplains on near-death experiences. And I have given programs several times to the Navy um, and that was coordinated by the chaplains, but I don't think there's any formal training now. I'm not sure who's doing the training. Um, I, I think it's sort of left to their... Uh, their own device to uh, really be up to speed on that. I wonder if there's some way that we could connect with the 
chaplaincy service of the of the military branches in a more formal way and 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 let them know more about this uh the subject of NDEs seems like um, it would be a a good step forward well it's something we can really try i think the best step would be to get a chaplain to try to make the lead in um maybe you or Douglas um Douglas and I tried to do a talk to a national chaplain's um, program, uh, but mm-hmm. that they weren't ready to hear it or whatever. We didn't get selected this year. Um, but we could see if he could um, or you try to, uh, and I could work with you on that. It's certainly, um, you know, it, it, it's a great idea it's a very hard nut to crack these days getting into the military. Uh, we went through a terrible uh, just bunches of red tape trying to get into the uh, Brook Army Medical Center. And where I really wanted to get into was the Intrepid um, uh, organization down there where all the soldiers who are rehabbing, are, and there's just no way they will let you in and talk about this. Mm. Which That's is really... really, really a shame because there's so much self-healing and I think support that could come from them understanding that half of their uh, feelings and after effects, see, they're many times so emotional. And, um, and then there's the question of the spouses. The family doesn't know what to do. They've already got a different person than they sent into war uh, due to the number of rotations they had and PTSD and physical injuries, and you add an NDE on top of it when the soldier themselves don't understand it, and it it creates um, a really difficult situation, and I think we could do great things to be supportive of that if we could find a way to provide support, we keep outreaching um, from IANS, and one of these days, the right um, the right environment or person is going to um, break loose. We mm. we were able to give uh, invite the commander of the um, VFW post in Texas to one of our talks in. You know, she was a nurse, She and she was, oh, this is really important, didn't know anything about it. Boy. So, I mean, there's still hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands of people out there who, even though it's been on every TV program and written a hundred times now, um, they still don't know what it is. Well, there's a chaplain's association that perhaps, I know Doug, uh, we're talking about Douglas Suggs, who's a member of the IONS board. Yeah. Uh, is, and he's associated with them. There might be material that we could uh, get be. to them that, that would also uh, be uh, d- disseminated to the military chaplains yes, from there. Yeah. We can certainly, uh, we have brochures um, about combat um, NDEs, and we have material uh, that we could give them just to introduce them and help them get people to the right um, the right place. As you know, getting 
so often we get new experiencers to come to our conference, and it's like they finally found a home, somebody that understands them. They don't have to explain everything. And it, it's, a, it's a new life for them. Yes. Well, I certainly felt that way at the first conference, uh, IONS conference I attended. I, I should um, mention to the audience that if they have any questions if, out there for, uh, for Diane, um, the number to call is 888-463-6748. Um, Diane, um, what do you think about um, perhaps doing a uh, one of our conferences centered around the military or the needs of the veterans? I think it would be a great idea if we could get the military to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, it would take, uh, you know, we could certainly invite uh, military chaplains and uh, and soldiers, sailors, and airmen. We could invite people, but there, one of the things that we ran into before is because of the current war and all the circumstances that are going on they have no money for travel so there's um, no possibility of getting money for them to travel uh, uh, you know for this and Mm -hmm. um, they said it was just very very difficult to go anywhere which was really a shame because that's how they get most of their information is through different kinds of meetings and um, you know training programs it would be interesting to try to maybe put on a small conference that we could do, um, and not so elaborate, a one-day one, someplace close to a military base. And um, that might be, you know, might be a possibility, and maybe we look to, we're supposed to go to Texas in 2015, um, that might be the time to do it near Fort Sam. Yes, uh, that that would be excellent. I found as a chaplain in a hospital that stories of near-death experience have been very powerful um, tools for comforting people who do not have a strong religious background. And I'm sure, you know, as as I see fewer and fewer people attending church, I'm sure that's going to be more and more the case in the general population and also in the military population. And it worries me sometimes when I think about their phasing out chaplaincy because they, uh, most people think of chaplains as being related to denominational or interdenominational teaching. And as people stop going to church, there may, they may see less of a need for chaplains, whereas in fact there should be more of a need for chaplains. And, um, and, and it, very, very helpful for understanding, and they're open to talking about it and learning about it, and very uh, supportive in the programs that I've done for the Navy and the Army. Mm. When I was on active duty, um, I taught this everywhere I went, and I was at Fort Sam at the primary education facility. So every course that came through there and every program that was taught for a number of years that I was associated with, somehow or another I uh, phased near-death experiences into the curriculum. Um, Maybe not always appropriately, but I I was determined to get it in there one way or another. 
And we have hmm. put out a call for, please, if there are uh, soldiers out there, vets, um, you know, get in touch with us. If this is something you've had, we would like to build a cadre of uh, near-death experiencers who are veterans or, or active duty. That's right. IANS has local organizations uh, throughout the country, and uh, if, if some of them be focused on uh, drawing vets who've had NDEs into the mix, that probably would be very, very good because those guys are probably in touch with other people, um, um, for, former military that they know that perhaps even know that they've had NDEs as well. So it could grow that way. I've, I've really thought about, I think it will be important, maybe initially, to start a group that's only for veterans, because uh, veterans and their spouses, they're not likely to want to share it with other people. They're very suspicious about not getting their benefits, being labeled as crazy, somebody finding out about it, and so they're very hesitant to speak openly, but if we started a group someplace where there was already a group, but we could have a special night uh, for mm. just um, service members, I think that might be the way to go. We're going to discuss it at the board meeting this this uh, February. Excellent. Excellent. So this could really work against them career-wise if they talk about it. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, that, what a no, shame. It, they're... You know, they talk about their uh, medical records being private and and having served in the military for 26 years and seeing the kinds of things that happen. If they went to a commander and tried to tell him about this experience they had where they saw their deceased relatives, um, I think it would, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be sent immediately, probably, to a psychiatrist. Um, There just isn't a lot of understanding there. Unfortunately, it's not that there couldn't be, but, you know, Mm -hmm. it takes some special training. It's not difficult. These people do not need um, a lot of uh, therapy or anything like that. They just need someone to give them good information and support. It sounds very much like the situation the military's run into these days with uh, uh, women trying to report uh, rapes or molestations and and being just shut down on that account. Um, And um, I'm working with a case of that now. And I mean, they make it impossible for them. And (laughs) sadly, uh, uh, some of these, when they happened years ago, I mean, they were just told not to so now they're here they are and um you know with all these issues no place to go with them yes that's one of the great things about how much it's been on television and on the radio and um because now people do feel a lot easier i think at least the general population about bringing the subject up talking to their families about it and i think maybe their families are being a little more accepting uh, yeah, if, I think if, that's true. When I started this work, there wasn't one book written. And then, of course, Raymond's came out, and now you know there are hundreds and hundreds of books written, uh, books 
that have been written. Some good, some some not as helpful as others, but nevertheless, there is a place for them to get information. And that's why the uh, children are the other area where I worry, because they're dependent on their parents. And if their parents don't recognize what happened to them, it can be kind of isolating for them as well. Sure. I think there's an interest. Uh, publishers themselves, I think, are, have been out recruiting, uh, looking for writers to, uh, to to write about near-death experience. And uh, we had a man who turned up at our last conference in Washington, D.C., who said he was there to learn about NDEs because he was going to write a book about it, had never right. had an NDE <laughs> and, and did not uh, know anything about it, but he had a contract, and so he was going to write a book. My that's scary. Crazy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Especially when we, we have such uh, great authors as PMH Atwater and all the books she's written in that are so helpful to people, and Nancy Bush and many of the other authors that we have and we know that are really, really helpful. Oh, we've got some terrific authors, and, uh, you know, I've... I hope to talk to all of them sooner or later, uh, right here on NDE Radio. Um, our, our own IONS bookstore offers quite a lot, uh, for people who might be interested in reading more about it. Um, yes. they should get, go to the IONS website. We have a lot of articles. Um, if you have a, just a basic membership, you can have, um, access to a bibliography that has every article written um, up to, I think, 2011 now on NDEs, uh, not to mention all the books. And at our conference, we probably have more uh, books on near-death experiences than you would be able to get in any other place in the country at one time. Yes. Traditionally, our conferences have whole large rooms devoted to the, to the books that are available, books and CDs and videotapes sometimes. Well, I think if anyone's out there that knows of a veteran or is a veteran and has had or even thinks that they had something happen but they don't know what it is, I would really hope that they would call me or call the office and get in touch with me, we really, we actually want to do a videotape just for veterans. And it would be very helpful to have actual veterans be able to speak to this. Yes, to, to describe their NDE and also to describe how that uh, that NDE was received by the military itself, if they did talk to a chaplain or an officer about it. Yes, I I remember a a young soldier years ago who, um, after he tried to describe, he had his arm uh, detached in an accident, he was sedated for three days and sent directly to a psychiatrist. Um, And he had a hard time with the military and rehab because after his NDE, he just wanted, this was sort of during the Cuban crisis and back, back in the day, but he want, in rehab, he wanted to hug people, he wanted to tell them how beautiful things were, he wanted to talk about it, and of course, no, they all thought he was crazy. 
<laughs> to include the doctors. So he didn't. He found me, and we did get some stuff straightened out. But that that reminds me of the of the attitude and the and the feeling that you get at the um, IONS conferences. I mean, everyone wants to go around hugging one another. It's really amazing because um, it's like you've come home. Well, when, it uh, is. Probably the highest energy and highest uh, love quotient, I guess, since most <laughs> experiencers feel that's the primary thing that comes out of the experience. Um, it is a very, very different and wonderful environment. Yeah. Uh, mention where we're going to have our next conference and, and when that's taking place. Uh, it will be Labor Day weekend. Um, it will be in California at Newport Beach. And we're finalizing the contract for the hotel right now. And um, we'll, we haven't put the program together, but we will be putting out a call for papers if there's anybody out there that would like to speak or um, want other information. You'll have to follow our website to get uh, detailed information on, on the conference. That comes out around May, but it will be in California. Well, Diane, thank you so much for, for being on the show with us and uh, for, for telling us um, where things are with IONS and, and with the work with the veterans. And uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, the at our next board meeting. Okay. See you next month. <laughs> okay. Take care. Thanks. And, and for the audience, uh, we thank you for your interest in NDE Radio and, and the International Association for Near-Death Studies. For more information on the association, please go to our website, iands.org. And if you want to get in touch with Diane, you can email uh, to uh, IANS as well. Thanks for listening. Join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. 